This is Jose Figueroa with an Approved Workman, where we are rightly dividing the word of truth. Welcome to another week of Bible study. I am so glad you're here as we open up God's word one more time. Our current series is Living Hope, a study of the book of 1 Peter. If you're new to this Bible teaching ministry, here's how you can learn more about it. First, go to our website, www.anapprovedworkman.org. That's anapprovedworkman.org. On the website, you can learn more about the purpose of this ministry, our approach to Bible study, and also review our statement of faith. You can subscribe to the podcast. Uh, which is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Amazon Music, as well as other podcast directories. On the website also, you can listen to previous episodes of our current series on First Peter or any episodes from our previous Bible study series. If you are on social media, you can connect with an approved workman there too. I'm on Instagram at an approved workman. Our Pinterest profile is pinterest.com slash an approved workman. And our Facebook page is facebook.com slash inapprovedworkman215. Finally, if you're watching the video version of this lesson, make sure you subscribe to our channel on either YouTube or Rumble to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Today, we're in lesson number nine in the series Living Hope from the book of First Peter. This study is part one of our series, Strangers and Pilgrims, which covers 1st and 2nd Peter. The lesson is titled, Living for God's Will, Part 3, and our focus passage is 1st Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. So please find your way in your Bible to that passage. In this chapter, the Apostle Peter encourages believers to purposely live for the will of God. In our previous episode, we continue our study of 1 Peter chapter 4. We learned that believers need to act differently because they are different as a result of their redemption by Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is necessary to have a different attitude in life, a different purpose in mind, and a different way to spend our time while we still have that time available to us. The first order of business is to renounce sinful behavior, and that was the subject of our first division and part one of our study. Then last time, we focused on how we should prioritize our lives to be good stewards of the grace of God. Ultimately, the purpose for the use of our spiritual gifts is for God to be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs all glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So let's review the principle and applications from part one and part two of our study on First Peter chapter four. Part one, we look at renounce sinful behavior, verses one through six. Our principle, living for God's will, requires a definite break with sin. Living for God's will requires a definite break with sin. Our applications, what sinful behavior must you renounce today? And what help do you need to honor your commitment? Then in part two, we look at how to 
how do we need to resolve to be a good steward? Verses 7 through 11. And our principle, living for God's will, requires a definite commitment to serve Him and His people. Living for God's will requires a definite commitment to serve Him and His people. Our application questions, what spiritual gifts have you received? And how are you using those gifts for the glory of God and the good of others? If you missed our previous episode, I encourage you to listen to the podcast or watch the video of that lesson. Here is our lesson outline and goal as we conclude our teaching from 1 Peter chapter 4. Today we will focus on our third and final division, rest in a faithful creator, verses 12 through 19. And the goal for our teaching from 1 Peter chapter 4 is this, to encourage believers to remember that our Christian lives should be lived according to the will of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, the goal for the lesson today is this, to encourage believers to remember that our Christian lives should be lived according to the will of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's get started then with the discussion on our third division, Rest in a Faithful Creator, verses 12 through 19. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though something strange were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that, at the revelation of His glory, you may also rejoice and be overjoyed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Verse 15. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer, or thief, or evildoer, or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Verse 18. And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God are to entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 12 through 19. In verse 12, Peter now returns to the theme of suffering. Why is that? Because this is a primary concern for his audience. Therefore, like a good teacher, he knows repetition will help drive the point home. As Christians, they are a minority group under persecution for their faith by their neighbors and their government. Furthermore, if they commit to live with a clear break from a sinful lifestyle, if they commit to live faithfully as Christians, exercising their gifts to the glory of God and the good of others, they will run into problems. That's why he tells them that they should not be surprised about the trials they're enduring like it was something strange 
or unexpected. God will use their trials to test them and purify them. And Peter is not alone in this view. Look at uh, Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 3. This is the Apostle Paul. And not only this, but we also celebrate in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Romans 5, verses 3 to 5. What about the Apostle James? Chapter 1 of his letter, beginning in verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James 1, verses 2 through 4. In verse 13, Peter looks at their situation and brings a new perspective to it. He says that if they are suffering like Christ suffered for being righteous, they should keep on rejoicing. So when he appears again in his second coming, their joy will be complete. We saw this in our teaching from 1 Peter chapter 1, our lesson, Living as God's Elect. Look at that chapter again, chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith be more precious than gold, which perishes, though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7. So as we endure our suffering and trials with faith and hope, this is going to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In verse 14, Peter continues and says that if they are insulted for the name of Christ, they should count themselves as blessed because it is evidence that the spirit of glory and of God rest upon them. Plus, they stand in good company. Look at the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 5, beginning in verse 10. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward in heaven is great. For in this same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12. In his Bible commentary on 1 Peter, Dr. Warren Wiersbe speaks about how Peter joins the truth of suffering and glory in these two verses. He says, quote, Suffering and glory are twin truths that are woven into the fabric of Peter's letter. The world believes that the absence of suffering means glory, but a Christian's outlook is different. But it is necessary to understand that God is not going to replace suffering with glory. Rather, He will 
transforms suffering into glory. In other words, suffering Christians do not have to wait for heaven in order to experience His glory. Through the Holy Spirit, they have the glory now. End quote. And Dr. D.A. Carson also speaks on this idea in his commentary on the New Testament use of the Old Testament. He says, quote, The theme is tied to what Peter says earlier. Suffering with Christ, rather than sliding into moral and spiritual compromise in a pagan world, is a sign of the transforming work of the Spirit. Chapter 1, verse 2. Evidence that one has become a living stone in the spiritual house of God. Chapter 2, verse 5. End quote. In verse 15, Peter also reminds them that their suffering brings glory to God if it is for the right reasons. He reminds them that they should make sure their suffering is not due to them doing evil acts, such as murder, theft, or any other evil act, or by being a meddler, a gossiper. In verse 16, he continues and says that if their suffering is because they are living like a Christian, they should not be ashamed, but they should glorify God in the name of Christ, in the name of being a Christian. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. This is the kind of suffering that finds favor with God. He says, chapter 2, verse 19, For this finds favor, if for the sake of conscience toward God, a person endures grief when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if, when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if, when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. 1 Peter 2, 19 and 20. We continue in verse 17. Peter says that judgment is about to begin. And it will begin with the household, the family of God. This is another difficult passage in this letter. We have seen a couple before in our previous lessons. At first glance, it seems Peter is saying that judgment is coming and it's going to start with the family of God. The Greek term used here is krima, which means divine judgment. It's a command or decision of God conceived of in the legal domain as if a decree by a judge or court is being entered into the court record. But, let's talk about this. As believers, weren't all of our sins judged at the cross? That is correct. We're not going to face judgment for our sins. Romans 5.1, Romans 8.1. There is no condemnation. Jesus paid it all. It is finished. Therefore, what is Peter talking about? I can think of a couple of possibilities. First, Jesus spoke about how in the church you will have both wheat and tares. Look at Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. There will be both authentic believers and false believers who just say they are believers. 
in the end, Jesus himself will send his angels to sort them out. Look at Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 41. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness. And they will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of their father. The one who has ears, let him hear. Matthew thirteen forty-one through 43 The Apostle John also spoke about ultimately only the true believers will remain in the church, and this is also a sign of the end times. Look at 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 18. Children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out, so that it would be evident that they are all are not of us. First John verse chapter two verses eighteen and nineteen. So not every believer is a true believer. Everybody who professes to believe in Jesus Christ may not be an authentic believer, and this is also a sign of the end times, the sign of the last hour. In our study on the book of Revelation, our series, Come, Lord Jesus, we did a mini-series of lessons on chapters 2 and 3. We titled that, Letters to Overcomers. These were the messages from the Lord Jesus Christ to his church. These letters are a deep and true examination of the condition of the seven churches of Asia Minor by the Lord of the church. Those messages were a kind of performance evaluation to provide both commendation for what was going well in the church, but also to provide rebuke and discipline where it was needed. But it wasn't just them receiving a performance review. You and me, as part of the church universal, need to pay attention to this performance evaluation. The good news is this, Jesus Christ loves his church. He died for her, Ephesians 5.25. And his purpose for the performance review is to encourage us to grow more and more into his own image. It is for our own good and not our demise. It is for our blessing and not our curse. Jesus Christ promised to build his church, Matthew 16, 18. And this building of the church sometimes requires discipline and refinement by the Lord. Trials and tribulations, persecution and suffering seem also to have a refining, purifying effect as only the true believers will endure them to the end. In his Bible commentary, Dr. John MacArthur expands on this idea. He says, quote, Not condemnation, but the purging, chastening, and purifying of the church by the loving hand of God. It is far better and more important to kingdom work 
to endure suffering as the Lord purges and strengthens the church than to endure the eternal sufferings of the unbeliever in the lake of fire. End quote. In verse 18, Peter then wonders about the outcome of this judgment time for those who refuse to obey the gospel of God. He quotes from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 11.31, to indicate that salvation is difficult for the righteous to attain. First of all, it's only achieved in Christ. Second, being a Christian is not easy. When Paul was in Lystra, he reminded the believers there of this fact. After being stoned and left for dead in that city, he returned with this message. Look at Acts 14, beginning in verse 21. And after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made a good number of disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, It is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. Acts 14, 21 and 22. If such difficulties are encountered by believers on this earth, what will be the outcome for the unrighteous person, for the person who rejects the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's Peter's point here. In his second letter to the Thessalonian believers, Paul indicated that the outcome will be the experience of God's wrath. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. For after all, it is only right for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to give relief to you who are afflicted, along with us, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God, and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Second Thessalonians 1, 6 through 8. Finally, in verse 19, Peter closes this section by reminding them that those who suffer according to the will of God should entrust themselves to a faithful creator as they continue to do the right thing. We should remember that we're not lacking examples in how to handle suffering and persecution as we do the right thing for his kingdom. This is like the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they faced the fiery furnace in front of King Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel chapter 3. Like Daniel himself, when he faced the lion's den in the days of the Persian Empire, Daniel chapter 6. In his Bible study guide on 1 Peter, Dr. N.T. Wright comments on the meaning of doing the right thing. He says, quote, Doing good is much more positive than rule-keeping, keeping your nose clean, not getting into trouble. It means bringing fresh goodness, fresh love, fresh kindness, fresh wisdom into the community, into the family, to the people we meet on the street. When we do this, we are not saying, look at me, aren't I being good? We are saying to God, I trust you. This is what you have called me to do. This is what I'm doing with the life you've given me. Even though I am facing suffering, I will continue to be this sort of person to your glory. End quote. 
What does it mean to have full trust in the Creator? Jesus entrusted himself to his Father at the time of his greatest time of suffering, the cross. Look at Luke chapter 23, verse 46. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Jesus trusted the Father, trusted the Father's will, trusted the Father's wisdom all the way to the end. In his last epistle, Paul reflected on his sufferings and impending death. Look at 2 Timothy verse 1, chapter 1, verse 12. Which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Jesus, full faith, full trust in the Father. The Apostle Paul, full trust in his God. No doubt, no wavering, full commitment, full trust. In his commentary on First Peter, Dr. R.C. Sproul provides us with an insightful perspective on suffering. This is such a good quote. Here, here it is, quote, If God calls us to suffer, we have to commit our souls to Him, not as to a capricious, vengeful, tyrannical deity, but as to a faithful Creator. The hardest time to believe that God is faithful is when His hand is heavy on your back. Yet, we are told that though we suffer, and the pain may be excruciating, it is only for a moment, and not worthy to be compared with what God has prepared for us for eternity. We cannot judge the final goodness and power of God until we see the new heavens and the new earth, where pain is exiled, suffering is vanquished, and death is forever banished. We can trust God because He is worthy of our trust. He is faithful, and trusting Him is the only answer that I know of to the reality of suffering in this world. End quote. Being a Christian is not easy. Living in this world is not easy. Living for the will of God is not easy. But we can entrust all things to Him who made us, who loves us, and who promised to keep us until the end. That's the end of our third division. What is our principle? Living for God's will requires a definite trust in Him regardless of circumstances. Living for God's will requires a definite trust in Him regardless of circumstances. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer person is decaying, yet our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look, not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18 How are you demonstrating your trust in God as you endure suffering for the sake of Christ's name. Well, that's our lesson for today. How can we apply what we have learned in this chapter? If you recall, 
I stated the goal for this lesson as this, to encourage believers to remember that our Christian lives should be lived according to the will of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. In essence, we must do it God's way and in His power. That's the call of the committed Christian life. And as we have seen over our study of 1 Peter chapter 4, while we're faced with many challenges, we can achieve our objective as we move as strangers and pilgrims towards our final destination. So what I want to do is leave you with a few reflections from this chapter as a way to encourage all of us as we strive to live for God's will. First, remember your identity in Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Who are we in Christ? But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. We have been redeeming Christ to bring glory and honor to God's name. We are declared righteous in the sight of God because of Christ. Therefore, we are no longer under the mastery of sin in our life. We have been delivered from darkness unto light, from death unto life. We are part of God's family. Our redemption is the only reason and motivation we need to renounce sinful behavior and move steadily and faithfully in the direction of holiness. Number two, redeem your time for Christ. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking actual words of God, Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Time is running out. The end of all things is near. We need to live with a sense of urgency. Every believer has been gifted at least one spiritual gift, most people have more than one. Our time on this world, which is not our home, should be prioritized in the exercise of those gifts for the good of the body and the glory of God. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is worthy of our best efforts spending the power of the Holy Spirit every single day we have left on this pilgrimage. Last point. Not only are we to remember our identity in Christ and redeem our time for Christ, 
we should also rejoice in our inheritance with Christ. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though, now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which perishes though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Being a faithful follower of Jesus Christ is not easy. We understand that. There is opposition from within and without. That's part of the package. But we do not walk alone, and we do not walk without hope. Christ is always with us, and He is our living hope. We can trust Him and bring Him glory even in our suffering, especially in our suffering. Our inheritance in Him is secure. Our dwelling in the new heavens and the new earth is secure. Our ultimate glorification is a done deal. We can rejoice in that fact regardless of what we face. So, you want to live for God's will? Remember your identity in Christ. Redeem your time for Christ. And rejoice in your inheritance with Christ. This concludes our teaching from 1 Peter chapter 4. Thank you for being here today. In our next episode, we will begin our study of 1 Peter chapter 5. Until then, this is Jose Figueroa for an approved work where we are rightly dividing the world of truth. May God richly bless you.